everybody, thank you so much for coming out to Fog Fest 7. Quick thank yous go out to Glenn, Mr. Glenn at Canadian Club. Check. Wednesday morning, probably around uh, just before 11, Thompson Park, sitting on a bench that uh, I've just mopped up the coffee from. Yeah, bought myself a medium Tim Hortons, a horrible Tim Hortons on uh, Ellesmere and uh, Brimley that you can't enter if you're driving west. You can only enter if you're driving east. So if you're going west, you might sneak, turn the corner on Brimley, sneak into Petro Canada, sneak out the other side, head east on Brimley, pull in. Then when you come out, you can only head east on uh, uh, Ellesmere. But really what you want to be going is south on uh, Brimley, but you can't, so you try another sneakeroo. Uh, it's just ridiculous anyway. It was cursed from the start. I was all, I realized, okay, take Brimley because it goes all the way to uh, the uh, Bluffers Park. Am I right, Brimley? Is Brimley? Am I or am I too far? Well, it's Brimley, full of Brimley. Uh, anyway, it, it's just a mess. And so I come back and I sit on a bench. I, I I go past and I realize, oh wait a minute. Why do I have to go all the way to Bluffers? Why don't I just go to Thompson? Beautiful park, sunny day, open air, lots of trees. I don't need to be by the water. I can go here. So I do another UE and end up. Here I am now listening to um, Marshall McLuhan and the uh, pros and cons of going back in time. Uh, one of the cons being you might not have your family when you come back. And I know, I mean, you're not going to be born. You go back in time. Bam. Everything changes. You kill Hitler. And uh, that's the end of you. Because nothing else, my God, is ever going to be the same. I mean, you, when, again, it's that ridiculous idea. It's that one sperm, that one egg, that one time, that one drunken night. <laughs> and here you are, you know complete, full-fledged human being with all your complexities. Uh, and you change any little thing around that time, including the sperm fight. And it's not you. You know, because you just have to look at your own brothers and sisters and go, hey, they are pretty different from me. God damn, there's a lot of varieties here amongst us. Uh, anyway, let's uh, drop that, save that, go listen to the Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour, the bagel edition more bagels and uh, enjoy that meanwhile you're on a ride with me Ken uh, it's a day that um, I probably should get things done I, I started off fair enough I had a 10-15 appointment with my bank manager it's nice to actually have a bank manager appointment was over in 15 minutes not a single piece of paper signed or talked about not a single change being made it was just a courtesy update of uh, where are you let me know when you stop working because we got some uh, tax things to figure out. And uh, that was that. Uh, I did get a couple of questions answered about my mortgage and so on, but otherwise, 
It, it just it felt okay. I got I got clean, showered, put on a clean shirt, and I did something productive already. Now it's my time. Uh, yesterday I didn't record, even though I kind of felt like it. It was the day when the cat started off on my lap early in the morning and delayed my coffee, and then I went out on the deck and spent a fair amount of time with the cat on my lap on the deck again, uh, reading this book about the um, the Beatle invasion of Russia, I guess. It's one way of putting it, but it's really it's an interesting history by a guy who, who knows. I don't know how well written it is, but it's an exploration of, of the impact of music on communism and long before the Beatles we're still you know doing 1920s 30s jazz at one point when the uh, Soviets uh, brought over black Americans to make a movie to show that they should you know the plan was to count start a revolution in the states so that the blacks would form their own nation in the south of the United States an absolutely crazy plan uh, mapped out by Stalin and of course it didn't uh, come to fruition but there was the the worry that adopting American music was going to change the culture and get them away. So they kept being these pushbacks. We know, no, we need traditional folk music. Yeah, but the people seem to want to dance and foxtrot and do all this other stuff that those corrupt Westerners and the fear that the Western way of corrupting communism would be by, uh, you know, just as it is and, and as it succeeded by infiltrating the culture and, and putting in uh, music and dance. And, of course, eventually it'll lead up to the fact that the, uh, the Russian youth only wanted to hear the Beatles. And uh, you can see, I mean, just historically, you can see worldwide the youth movement in any country was just influenced by the power of rock music, of people rebelling and doing what they wanted to do. And you cannot keep a group down, you know, no matter how many red brigades and, uh, you know, proper Soviet youth organizations and Nazi movements, whatever, although maybe it succeeded in Germany, they may be the exception. But anyway, it, it's it's actually an interesting read. There's a lot of history in it, and I love history. And, uh, it's not just a book about the Beatles, uh, by any means. So... Um, what's to say? Well, I found out another little piece of uh, going back to this wedding from two weeks ago and then a week ago being in Windsor for uh, Fogfest. Oh, yeah, I guess this was supposed to be the Fogfest edition. I don't know that it will be. I didn't record uh, anything in Windsor other than that just ending to the uh, previous podcast to say, hey, guess what? I'm here after all. I'm glad I went. Really glad I went. Glad I left the next day after brunch. Left my home in Scarborough at 12 noon. Got there in time to enjoy the music. We got there around 6 to listen to the afternoon bands and into the evening. Loved the music. Loved the Sadies. Oh, my God, they were good. Uh, that was a high point for me. And, of course, being on a cookie uh, certainly helped a lot. Made everything more interesting. I did get some interesting vibes just looking at people sitting at a picnic table. Just watching the passing crowd of people. And, and I really got into some... Yeah, unusual thoughts. It was as if these people were already under control of the overloads. I think a lot of people are very self, a bit self-conscious about their image and trying to... I mean, it's hard for anybody to be themselves. And it really was a different feeling being in Windsor, as it might be in Kingston, uh, compared to Toronto, where maybe the people in Toronto 
hide their insecurities a little better through more layers, through more appearances, through more clothing and fashion, and try to appear cool, whereas a lot of the people in winter didn't even bother. Um, but I think people were self-conscious anyway. You know, it's hard just to put yourself up strolling around. And, and as, there's a sense of, man, it's, it's tough to survive in a, in a city with a poor economy. Uh, Tom, of course, just doing brilliantly, wonderful. Tom, the joke is, Tom goes through costume changes. You'd hardly know it unless you really look closely. And most of the costume changes amount to hats and T-shirts. But uh, he does at least eight uh, during the course of the evening. And he's just running. Tom is constantly in motion, period. Uh, but I went, of course, with uh, Sheen and Lauren. The cute couple with their matching fiats and their lovely... Uh, 50s-style house, a house you might see on Mad Men. It was pretty neat. Uh, so, anyway, I left uh, the next day. We had breakfast with them, and uh, and off I went. Noon, heading back to uh, Toronto. So it was a, a worthwhile weekend. Ah, well, that sums that up, as if you needed to know all that. Let's get back to the here and now. I went to a, um, a meeting last night. To hear my candidates, and I wanted to know the NDP's position on marijuana. I wanted to hear it from my local rep. Well, five reps were, five chairs were there: Conservative, NDP, Liberal, Green, and uh, Independent. The Independent didn't show, the Conservative didn't show. So we're down to three. Now I don't know how to say this without being offensive. Um, the Green person, rep, the person representing the Green Party. I don't know how. They vetted her or let her do it. Maybe they just thought somebody is better than nobody. I, I don't know. And it wasn't because she had cerebral palsy or muscular dystrophy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, my ignorance. I don't know which it was. Um, and that might have affected her speech just a little bit. It wasn't so much that as it was her answers. Like, pass on, you're allowed to pass, and she passed. And when they gave them two minutes to introduce herself, she ran out at the one-minute mark and had nothing more to say, didn't know what else to do. She'd never done this before. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It's, it's like, you know, she has a disease, her mother has cancer, and that qualifies her for, you know, being chosen to meet the needs of the people of Scarborough Guildwood. Uh, and and th- th- it was sad that, you know, when they'd ask a complicated question about, uh, you know, what are you going to do to uh, feed the hungry, sort of, the United Church sponsored this and had four of their own questions, and they're all, of course, related to the questions you'd think a church would ask. Feeding the hungry, uh, elder care, um, lower cost of medicines, and things that would, you know, apply to what you think a church should be asking about. And two of our answers to two of those questions, another one was, oh yeah, and the other one was home care, were, well, Families have to help. It's, the family has to help everybody. It wasn't the government. It wasn't the taxes. It wasn't, you know, bringing in a policy that's going to cheapen medicine. No, families have to help. So, anyway, I, I don't know why I wasted time talking about that, except that I felt I, I had to leave. It was so uncomfortable. Think, they, wait a minute, this is a, a real, this is supposed to be a real discussion for an important election. And the liberals will walk away with it. And I did spend time... 
a good five minutes talking to John Mackay, our representative, before the whole thing started. And he was just, you know, this is his seventh election, and uh, he's won every time. And we'll walk away with this one, I'm sure, because even the NDP was a newbie, and although she had grown up in Scarborough, um, she certainly did not have a whole lot of experience. So, yeah. All right. Let's... Get rid of that one too. We're done. I guess I'm just unloading here. What's our what's our time? Oh, never mind. What do I have to do today? What's remaining? Well, I got to teach eight thirty tomorrow morning, so I got to be prepared today. You can't prepare in the morning of a an eight thirty class. So I will go home and go through and just do an overview of what I'm going to teach. I am very very upset that I seem to have lost a USB key, and on that key, not only did I have all the wonderful little pictures that I call thinkers that I use with each class. But I probably had a lot, an awful lot of personal information because I, I just said, I never thought that I would lose it. And I, it's not safety protected. It's not locked. Anybody who finds that is going to find out an awful lot about me. An awful lot. I think I even have a resume on that thing. Oh, my God. I, and I have no idea. I mean, you know, you, you have to stick it into the computer at work. And I think, did I leave it there Friday afternoon? I, I had it Friday afternoon. And if you leave something lying around at a college, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to get it back. Not our college anyway. Maybe a Christian college. Speaking of which, the Pope, uh, I watched the Pope come into the White House today. And uh, I thought, my God. I even tweeted this. If I was an American, I would be so proud to have President Barack Obama and his wife Michelle in the White House. I love those two people. I think Michelle is absolutely fabulous and sets a wonderful example. And I just don't understand the hatred and bigotry of, you know, some stupid, fat, trailer trash white guy holding up a big sign don't force Kenyan socialism on us or something like that. And this, I don't, oh my God, I do not understand. But this, but I don't understand. This is the fucking civil war in this country. The horror of a civil war. And the horror of heading off to Vietnam. And the horror of bombing this shit out of Iraq and creating the mess we have today. I don't understand American history and politics. It's just fucking, oh God. And that's why there was just so much hope when Obama was elected. And now you look at this lineup of Republican thugs. Well, thugs is not the right word, I'm sorry. And I'm sure I have people maybe even listening here. No, hey, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm for the Republican Party because they're going to get us back on track and make America great again. Why am I even talking about this? Like, we got enough problems here with... Stephen Harper's our prime minister, and I'm an ABC, anything but conservative, to get this man out of the way. So I guess we've got a safe riding here when the fucking conservative candidate doesn't even show up and has been accused of just placing signs on corners and adjoining properties without even asking permission. Chuck Conkle. God, do I have any anger in me today? I hope not. I don't really want to. It's a beautiful fall day. This, these are the days. So yesterday, I spent most of the day 
doing nothing. That nothing work. I realized, why should I? I don't have to do any schoolwork today. I'm still waiting for an answer for from a camp that I need for my students this summer. That is a major problem hanging over my head like a sword. Um, speaking of which, I watched a show last night, The Bastard Executioner. Ooh, is that gruesome? And you think, holy fuck. Speaking of time travel, am I ever glad to have been born at the time I was? And again, this is what shaped my views to be born post-war Canada. A male at that. What a gift. What a, This is the lottery. This is a lottery. I shouldn't be ever thinking I'd like to win a million dollars because I've won it already. Not having to go to Vietnam, not having to face hunger, being able to pick up jobs here, there, wherever I traveled. And that list of jobs, I don't talk about often enough my past, my days in Vancouver. Being a mover for a while, traveling with Mel. And one of, I used to say 100 jobs. Now I couldn't remember them. But, I, you know, minimum 50 different jobs I've had in my life. Minimum. And, and all interesting. And then I keep thinking, wait a minute, dude. When, you, when you re, you're reading all this stuff about Kerouac and Ginsburg and the Beats in the old days... You got on a Turkish freighter in the Mediterranean for 30 bucks. Wow. Traveled from Greece to Barcelona. That's a trip and a half, man. That, that's, that's fucking cool. That was great. Hitchhiking around. Just, you know, I've had a good, full, rich life. That's what I was telling the banker today. I'm envious of the people who've got those index pensions, but by God, there's not one of my adventures I would give up to to get that. So, and, you know, we're sitting on a house worth a lot of money, more than half a million dollars, so why, what, why, why am I really ever worried about stuff? I shouldn't be doing a job I like I have fun I actually get in and I mean I make it I make it enjoyable the three hours I actually teach never fond of marking but the actual teaching of getting in there and trying to challenge people and make them think and and, and you know play with them a little bit just just you know you're, you're really you're a conductor when you're a teacher you're a conductor you're you've got a You've got this symphony in front of you, and I'm not saying I'm making it work together. Well, you try and do that, and you pair people up, and you, you just try and get different voices coming out, and you know, okay, this guy's going to answer all the questions if I let him, so sorry. Can I ask somebody else now? And you, you try and keep a balance, and you, you, you want to be aware the whole time of who's silent, and who's sitting there, and who's looking down, and who's shy, who doesn't seem to be paying attention at all, and bam, those are the ones you nail with a question just to sort of... You know, keep them on their toes. Hey, whoa. Seems you weren't paying attention. Anyway, God, I am rambling, but it's... I wouldn't want to say it's like throwing up like my cat. My cat will just chow down a whole lot of this crunchy food and then... Seconds later, do that. You watch the, the the chest heave and then the neck stretch and then you just... All at once, all over the floor, undigested chunks, just like full and easy to clean up. I mean, and just and usually right near the dish, so it's not a big problem. It's not on the carpet or on your bed or pillow. It's just boom. Sorry, ate too fast, ate too much, didn't like it all that much, didn't really need it anyway. Blech. 
So <laughs> this is a little bit like Cat Puke. If I could remember, I'd call this episode Cat Puke. That's not a bad title. Um, I guess overall, if uh, on the index scale, okay, here's zero is totally unhappy, miserable, I want to die. Ten is euphoria. I'm probably around a seven. I'm probably around a seven today. That's not bad. That's pretty damn good, in fact. Uh, but it's because I'm sitting in the park doing nothing. I'm going to go home. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to maybe email that camp again or look for another camp because this one hasn't replied to me. And it's been a few days now. And the one camp we can't go back to. I told you about that. The other camp, nope, sorry. We're full. So I've got to really, really, really nail down four days. I have four days, five days. No, four nights. I've got four nights to fill in Canada at a very tight budget for 34 people plus myself. And uh, there's plenty of things to do, but you add them up and they cost a fortune. Like, uh, you know, visit Amish country and uh, take them on a buggy ride. Well, that's going to cost. I don't think so. Go to St. Jacob's overnight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's park that. Let's let's see. Is there anything else? Is there anything new? Oh, all right. A final plug. Listen, folks. December 30th is coming up. What is it today? The 21st, 22nd, 23rd, somewhere in there. A week away, I said that was a deadline for anybody. It's 23rd. <sighs> Submitting anything to Dixon Janes. And I had sort of hoped, and I know some of you are saying, well, why the fuck should I? Or, you know, maybe they're not hearing because they're listening at double speed and they're not getting the message. I want you to write something for Dicks and jeans. Yeah. Um, you know, a little note, a little, an, an, just a little strange animal fact from Dave Broadbeck would really be nice. Come on, Dave, is that asking too fucking much? Just a little anecdote, something interesting that nobody knows but you and whoever reads your papers, you know. Not a treatise, not, I don't want a whole page, a paragraph, just a little thing, a fact. Anthony, well, you know, Anthony's so busy now. He's sort of off the hook, I guess. Uh, and I don't want to hear about Sid Ryan anyway. I don't like the guy. Oh, fuck, now we might write about Sid Ryan. And, um, you know, anybody else? Francis Wooby, uh, it's going to be delayed and understandable. He's got a lot going on and... Uh, but I'm not looking for that perfect piece of writing. I'm just looking for things that other people might find interesting to read so that it's not all the shit that I put in there. And that's what, right now, I'm only, I've am only i only made this a 12-pager. Usually Dixon Jane's is 16 pages. It's only 12 pages. And I'm, you know, 70% of it is stuff that I've put in. Well, most of it's blank right now, but the fill is going to be... Stuff I take from quotes from books, which I think is interesting, but somebody else can say, well, why isn't any of that current? Why are you talking about the Beatles and the Beats and all that old shit? Who cares? What What's happening today? Oh, speaking of which, when I did go to Windsor and saw Grand Analog, and they are a fabulous band, too, and really interesting, and you read the description of Grand Analog, wow, 
there's a bit of everything in there. Some uh, jazz. They had a sax player and uh, I don't know dub and rap. And he described it in a very interesting way. And unfortunately, I don't have that page open, so I can't tell you. But neat people. Turns out when I uh, mentioned I'd seen them, my uh, the fellow who got married two weekends ago, Dennis, uh, my cousin Dave's son, said, "Oh, the grand analog guy was our DJ for the wedding." Well, there he was. I was sitting at a table right beside him, and I hadn't even noticed there was some DJ. I didn't make the connection because I don't know all the members of the band, and uh, so that was one more final little link in this strange little connection of all these things. And then Tom writes, hey, yeah, I saw pictures of that wedding because everybody was wearing Nigerian garb. <sighs> I guess, okay, here, final final point. Unless you know me, unless you're listening to me on a regular basis, none of this matters. If you were a stranger, if somebody said, oh, go listen to uh, Baby Sally, interesting guy, and you listen to these first 25 minutes, you'd say, what the fuck, who cares? Guy's just talking about his life. What, what's, how does that relate to me? What, what, what do I have to walk away with? After listening to that guy for 25 minutes, what can I walk away with? And the answer is nothing. Sweet fuck all. Nothing. SFA. But if you're a friend of mine, or if you're somebody who listens on a regular basis and is following my journey, you're going, okay, well, you can tell us a whole lot. didn't leave me any real profound thoughts, but eh, can I listen to them every week anyway, so what the hell. You know, I wasn't doing anything anyway, really important, so it's not really time wasted, but God, I hope he gives me something a little better than that. And I will. I'll put in a good song right now, as soon as that airplane flies by, and uh, transition into a different point of the week. When I'm feeling differently, maybe I won't be a 7 out of 10 on the happiness scale. And uh, give you an entirely different message. So thank you for letting me over you. And uh, I'll try not to do it next time. Bye for now. Do you feel that? Oh, shit. sickness is rising it seems that all that was good has died oh no the world is a scary place now that you've woken up the demon in me Bobby will you give it to me get up come on get down with the sickness you mother get up come on get down Sickness, you fucker, get up, come on, get down with the dickness. Open up your hate and let it flow into me. Why can't you just fuck up and die? Get down with the sickness. Fuck you, I 
Mr. Cheese, lounge against the machine. Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Carolla, welcome back the to Last Call. The ladies go nuts for this Richard Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> check, check. <clears throat> this is going to be a two-parter uh, because I'm in a beautiful spot except that I'm still sitting in my car, kind of a parking area, looking out at a boarded-up old building which they say they're going to resurrect and turn into something fantastic. Who knows, they've been saying that for 20 years. It's the same building my son got caught sneaking into and uh, actually got arrested for uh, right here. <clears throat> I had to do community service. Uh, that's, you know, back the thing that I volunteered for, the uh, Youth Justice Committee. Uh, before I was doing it, my son went through it. Uh, it's the Guildwood Inn. And it was a uh, special building. Yeah, I've told you about it before. And if you don't know, Jesus Christ, if you live in Toronto, come and visit the Guildwood Inn right here in Scarborough. It's a wonderful place. So what I'm going to do is take my coffee and uh, sit down, you know, and get out of the car. But first I wanted to uh, talk about how the day started. By God, what a good day. Except for the fact that at 4.30 I was up. Uh, taking my kitten who was howling outside my son's door and the reason she was doing that was because the light was still on because my son was still sitting up gaming 4.30 this morning so I grabbed Kitty and I said okay we're not going to go through this I'm not letting you out at 4.30 in the morning waking up just to get you out and uh, open the basement door and put her there and uh, close the door so none of us would hear her howling to get out I mean she wasn't in pain or suffering she just lights out at any time of day or night uh, and then, of course, by 6, I was up again, letting poor Kitty out of the basement and outdoors to play. She loves the outdoors, but this is not about kitty cats. It's about how my day started. You might think, oh, that's a bad start of the day. Not at all. It's a fine start. I got up early, turned on the Rifleman, and thought, you know, I don't need to watch Chuck Connors and the Rifleman. Maybe I'll just go on Netflix. And sure enough, waiting for me was sort of a bile flick on uh, Keith Richards, and I really enjoyed it. I only got halfway through. But made myself a coffee, made myself bacon and eggs and toast, watched this bio flick, and, uh, you know, heard some early Stones and early Stones influence. One little beef about Keith Richards is he doesn't acknowledge the role Brian Jones played. Like, Brian Jones really kind of started the Stones and was the fan of uh, American blues, was crazy about it, and that's what he wanted. And he didn't like the Stones going mainstream and uh, doing all his rock and roll shit. And uh, for whatever reason, Keith doesn't give him that credit and says, no, no, I, it was Mick. I saw Mick with a couple of, you know, Howling Wolf albums or something and said, hey, man, we got to make a band. And he said that was the start of the Rolling Stones. But it was really Brian Jones. So just so you know, other than that, uh, it was it was great. It was neat. I, and I, to this day, man, oh, man, like I, I have... The early, the earliest Rolling Stones vinyl, and I loved that stuff. And it was so different from the Beatles. It was, you could love the Stones and the Beatles. A lot of people thought it had to be either or, and of course that's nonsense. Uh, I love the early Stones uh, and the bluesy stuff, you know. Anyway, uh, so that's how my day started. And then uh, my wife came down, I went up, had a shower, got dressed, said, Hey, guess what? I'm going to a book sale at the local church I was at Tuesday to hear the uh, delegates for the uh, Scarborough-Guildwood federal election, uh, the one I told you about earlier, and found out about this book sale and went in, and the only reason I'm still sitting in my car is because I can't carry all these damn things, but I want to tell you about the books because, man, I just went straight to the history section 
and uh, that's where I loaded up. So right here, covering the whole damn seat, is this giant Life, 75 Years of Life magazine. And it's like huge, humongous, gigantic. Uh, in fact, on the way out, it's all seniors from the church who are running this book. You know, a buck a hardcover, a buck 50. It was amazing. The stack I got, which I'm going to tell you about, whether you like it or not, were n- came to nine bucks. This thing, I said, you know, I'm going to need a coffee table just to hold that book. And they thought that was hilarious. It brought a chuckle to everybody in the hallway. Uh, Brian said when he phoned me later, you could be a stand-up comedian for seniors. And I thought, you know, I could. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. Like, it's the history. And it shows the covers of every single Life magazine, you know, for 75 years. And then there's a reprint in the back of a 1936 Life magazine. What what a deal. Like, you know, wow. This is just great, just for flipping through. So now I'm going to go into the bag and uh, pull out, one by one, the books that you, you... What the idea is, you bring in your own bag and fill it up, and then when you come into the hallway, you just sort of unload your bag and they add it up. So here I've got... And I, this is, I pull this out, and I thought, why the hell did I buy that? National... Oh, damn. Is that interference or what? National One bestseller... Plan of Attack by Bob Woodward, a definitive account of the decision to invade Iraq. Now, I bought it just because I, I'm going to hate it. I don't know if I'll read it. Uh, it'd be a book, but I thought, well, damn it, this is the latest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to read it. Plan of Attack delivers an astonishing, intimate portrait of President George W. Bush, his war council, and allies as they launch a preemptive attack on Iraq, toppling Saddam Hussein and occupying the country. Woodward's fly-on-the-wall account reveals the secret meetings, key decisions, conflicts, and raw emotions of war as they are rarely seen in contemporary history. We all know who Bob Woodward is. The thing is, I mean, this was the worst fucking thing America has done in the 21st century, and it's early in the 21st century. But this is one of the biggest, biggest blunders, I would say, in my, you know, limited knowledge of world events, uh, carried out by the states. Like, why, why, why? Well, this book will tell me why. All right, let's put that down. Can't go on and on forever. My American listeners are going to just get so pissed off. All right, next. Ooh, this (laughs) this one blew me away. Uh, Peter Collier and David Horowitz, authors of The Kennedys and the Fords. It's called Destructive Generation Second Thoughts. What is that? Interference. It just annoys me. Why? Stop it. Second Thoughts About the 60s. Now, wow. The 60s might have been a time of tantalizing glimpses of New Jerusalem. But stop it. Listen, I'm going to stop this. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, this there must be some kind of interference from somewhere, but it just bugs the hell out of me. The 60s might have been a time of tantalizing glimpses of the New Jerusalem, but it was also a time when the system, that collection of values that provide guidelines for societies as well as individuals, was assaulted and mauled. As one center of authority after another was discredited under the new left offensive, we radicals claimed that we murdered to create. But while we wanted a revolution, we didn't have a plan. The decade ended. 
with a big bang that made society into a collection of splinter groups, special interest organizations, and newly minted minorities, in quotes, whose only common belief was that America was guilty and untrustworthy. This is perhaps the enduring legacy of the 60s. Now, this is interesting, because this is sort of looking at it from the other side, and I think there's some truth in this. The 60s are still with us as a nostalgic artifact that measures our more somber world and finds it wanting, and also as a goad to radical revival. It has become the decade that would not die, the decade whose long half-life continues to contaminate our own. Wow, come on. What a book, what a deal. Okay, next. You still with me? I hope so. Um, and I don't know what I'm hauling out. Here we are, a searing gift to this country. It's called And a Hard Rain Fell, a GI story of the war in Vietnam by John Ketwig. Updated edition, the new, oh, okay, let's just read about this. I didn't set out to write a book. It was 1982, 14 years after I had last set foot in Vietnam and 13 years after I returned to the world. The nightmares were more frequent. I needed to get Vietnam out into the open, but I couldn't talk about it, not after all those years. John Ketwig's powerful memoir of the war in Vietnam is visceral account of a young man's odyssey from the country roads to upstate New York to the jungles of Vietnam. It is a contrast of cultural upheavals and the harsh realities of war, from rock and roll philosophy and Beatlemania to the sight of a child burned by a napalm bomb. And a hard rain fell. It's the unforgettable story of a veteran's rage against his country with a message as relevant today as it was 20 years ago. Now... Got to read it. I'm, I'm very, very up. These days, I'm moving into, you know, World War II is done for me. It's uh, Vietnam that uh, i got to know more about. Okay, next. These are all hardcover, by the way. It's called Best Kept Secret, Canadian Intelligence in the Second World War by John Bryden. Now, you know that I've been on and on and on about this. And this amazed me when I found this on a second go-round in the history section. I missed it the first time or it just got turned over or whatever. Um, about Canadian intelligence. This is exactly the book I'm looking for. Camp, you know, uh, Camp X and, and so on has got to be here. And of course, the mystery of well, what was it my father did? Was he just a messenger? Maybe not just, but did he listen in on code? Like, am I going to get any clues out of this to uh, my father's role in this? Uh, I'm not going to do... Now begin to work with the key, tap to tap, rapidly about a minute and stuff. But all right, so... Uh, it'll uh, it'll be good. This is a book of many secrets. So begin, begins his uh, talk in the Canada's involvement in ultra-intelligence, a gathering of military and diplomatic information by breaking the codes and ciphers of both enemy and friendly nations. Although Canada began the Second World War with virtually no intelligence-gathering capability, it soon built a crack team of cryptographers who were essential to the Allied war effort, breaking the Vichy French and Japanese codes, amongst others. Bryden takes us deep into the world of plot and counterplot, where nothing is what it seemed to be at the time. It is now clear that the highest levels of American government knew that the Japanese were going to attack in December 1941, but feeling that war was inevitable, they did nothing to warn Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Similarly, the drop in the atomic bomb had little to do with conquering Japan, which was about to surrender anyway, and everything to do with Churchill and Truman's desire to show Stalin where the power lay. Oh, this is going to be controversial. While the Allies were publicly supporting General de Gaulle, they were privately spying on him and thwarting his efforts. Bryden traces the post-war consequences of the plotting culminating in de Gaulle's notorious Vive le Quebec Libre speech in 1967. 
Even the events surrounding the defection of Igor Gozinsky in 1945 are seen in a different light when we realize that Stuart Menzies, the legendary C of Britain's MI6, was on the spot and pulling the strings. Okay, lots there. Lots. All right, last one, last one. Hang on to your horses. Ah, and another right-up-my-alley book called Who Killed Canadian History by Granite Stein. Who Killed Canadian History? Canada must be what? Now, listen, you know this is a theme. I, maybe you don't know, but I'm always talking about how we fail at uh, college. I'm, a student, I'm using an American textbook. Students know nothing about Canada. We're learning about quinceañera or something, the age when, when Hispanic girls uh, turn 15 and get a party dress and have a big party. That's what we learned in our reading this week. Something that nobody in Canada would have even heard of. And yet there are so many things about Canadian culture and history and the Inuit people and traditions that we could have done if we had our own bloody book to teach English to new Canadians. What a disgrace. And I am more and more and more angry each time I pick up this book. Until they got to go out and spend $60 to buy, $65 to buy an American book on with American cultural references and American history. The first picture they see, Abraham fucking Lincoln. Disgusting. This is a Canadian college. Disgusting. All right, so back to this book. Last one, by the way. Who killed Canadian history? Canada must be one of the few nations in the world, certainly one of the few Western industrialized states, that does not make an effort to teach its history positively and thoroughly to its young people. Amen. It must be one of the few political entities to overlook its own cultural traditions, the European civilization on which our nation is founded. Let's not forget on the grounds that they would systematically discriminate against those who come from other countries. Did you get that? We're not teaching it because if it's considered Eurocentric, oh, we're neglecting all the other people. But it is modern Canada, folks. The effects of these policies on a generation of students are all around us as the 20th century comes to a close. All right, so it's a little bit dated, but the point, you know is so clear. Uh, how bad is it? Let's, let's just try this. What Culture, What Heritage was another book previously written by the same guy, right? Granite Stain. Uh, he points out an even more appalling situation in both our education system and our daily lives. As he argues so articulately, Canada is one of the few nations not to teach its history. A result, the result, a nation that does not understand and respect its own past. How bad is the situation? In a 1997 survey at York University's Glendon College, where my son went for a semester or two, 66% of first-year students could not name a Canadian author. Most could not name the first English and French-speaking prime ministers. Over 50% could not give the date of confederation. You know... Who is responsible for this unthinking conspiracy to eliminate our history? Granite Stein lays the blame on a number of culprits. Schools that are too busy teaching trendy subjects and dealing with the needs of recent immigrants. Mm -hmm. Universities where history has been reduced to a series of arcane subjects. Ministries of education that have dropped Canadian history as a required course and approved dumbed-down textbooks. The federal government with its misguided multicultural policies. Even the media, which should be above political pressures, too often uses history to search for villainy. 
Okay. So, I mean, I might have some differences of opinion with this, but I like the fact that the book is written. Uh, okay. All right. So, anyway, that's it. That's, uh, that's how my day has gone so far, and it's not even noon. It's not even noon. It's 11.15. And I got my Tim Hortons coffee here at uh, Doug's local Tim Hortons. I wouldn't have bothered to call Doug because it's Saturday. He's going to be with his little girl and his big girl, his wife. So I'm happy. And, and on top of that, phone call from Brian, told my wife, oh, I'm going to be meeting Brian. Oh, good. You haven't seen him for a while. Go out with him. Uh, and she meant that genuinely. It wasn't a sarcastic, oh, good for you. Uh, going to go meet Brian at the only cafe at 7 o'clock tonight. And then walk down the street to the Eaton House for a live band. Oh, yeah. All right. So you've got a happy dude in your hands. And you know, this is nothing remotely resembling what I was going to talk about. Now, you know, it's Saturday. I could even finish this podcast. Why don't I shut down now, grab my coffee, grab one of these books, walk down into the park here, find a nice little bench to sit on, look at the sculptures, which is what this is about, and uh, record another segment. Is that okay with you? Does that sit all right with you? Hey, fucking asshole. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Ooh, 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 ooh. I meant sometimes I'm a little I'm a little frustrated with my listeners. I don't feel you care enough, and uh, partly my fault because I don't give you enough to care about. And the topic I really wanted to go on, which was a little bit self-indulgent, but what you know, personal podcast isn't self-indulgent, uh, was still fiddling with the compass trying to find out. Who I am. And I know, I know, I know we've been down these roads so many times. And you'd think, hey, isn't that done? No, it's not even close to done. In fact, I am getting a little closer. At least identifying the fact that we can't possibly know. Because we are just made up of so many pieces. And we're just so different in so many different situations. The one conclusion I did come with through with today while drinking my morning coffee was that uh, I don't really like the person I was in high school. I'd, I'd like to just sort of block that out. Let's skip that one. Elementary school, is probably a nice kid. You know, no problem there. Not very self-aware, a little bit immature. In fact, very immature. Not grown up. A little embarrassed about the past, which helped me grow up later on in life. But the high school, I think a lot of people would admit high school is about survival. I had good friends. I'm very lucky for the things I learned. And they, the, I've talked about, uh, you know, Mike, who I have a... Uh, smoke meat with every uh, every trip back to Montreal and the Nova Scotia guy, Cliff, the photographer. Uh, those are really, really fine, close friends still are today, even though I, don't, I only see what we once a year or so. Um, but those are things of value that I got out of high school, so it wasn't all bad. And there must have been something about me that allowed them into that circle of friendship. So... Uh, Let's leave it there. All right, listen, whether I or not I record it or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to take one of these books and sit in the sunshine because it's a glorious fall day once again. And I hope you still don't you fucking be in any kind of a rut. Man, if you think you're in a rut and you're just not stimulated enough and you're just getting rusty, man, do something about it. Do something about it. Okay? I don't know what it is it'll take for you, but find something. For me, it is these books. All right. Bye for now.
This is a uh, wrap-up of this podcast. Um, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm sitting at uh, in the car at Scarborough Golf Club. We've got a beautiful view of the greens. This is a place, an area I like to park right in the very back. And, wow, what a great day for golf. It's September, what, 26th or something. Um... And I'm feeling a little, not shaky, 27th today, Sunday. I didn't get enough sleep, I guess that's it. Uh, But I did get up for church anyway, and I'm really glad I went. Uh, But let me just backtrack a little. I'm going to, at the very end of this podcast, I'm going to put in a clip recorded last night. It's about six minutes long at the Eglinton parking lot. I said absolutely nothing. Um... But I'm including it for old time's sake, for authenticity's sake. I recorded. I was drunk. I was high. It's just uh, kind of a mess. And a part of me, I'm swearing a lot, but part of me is saying, hey, don't put that in. You know, you're, you're, you're beyond that now. And the other voice is saying, no, leave it because that's what you used to do. And you're, you're, 
showing yourself for what you are at any particular moment. Um, so here's my advice. When, when this clip finishes and there's some, you know, signal or sign or song, I don't know. When you get to that part, you can fast forward or skip. Okay? All right, let's get back to now. Got my McDonald's coffee. It's not bad. Uh, the church today. So any, oh, all right, so last night, the reason I ended up at the Go was because I uh, met Brian at the Only. And uh, lo and behold, the lovely Lisa came in with uh, an uncle from Ireland. So, you know, he immediately said, oh, it's your lucky night because now you got the company of Ken and Brian. And uh, we, we made a bit of a party out of it. We were planning on going to the um, Eaton House anyway. I marched on ahead, got into a conversation with the, uh, I call him the bouncer, but the friendly guy who's always out front. And uh, it turns out the person I was talking to, I said, well, this is a neat dude, a real cat, a cool cat. It's the DJ, Earl, who we've been listening to for years and think, wow, this guy's fantastic. He's really, really good at his job. But I'd never spoken to him and I didn't, we didn't even recognize him. It was kind of a... He's got weird goggles and a bald head and uh, quite an intense person. Deep passionate about uh, his DJing job, but also does stand-up too. So but th- that's the kind of fun that I'm seeing. Going out to a place like the only the Eaton House, you engage. You engage. You interact with other people. And I think that's an important thing. And, and I say that because people sometimes will go out with a group and you remain isolated. Okay, this is our group. And I'll talk to the waiter or waitress and get what it is I need, but I really don't want to interact with anybody else around me because that's not part of us or our core. And um, I guess Brian and I like to talk a lot. <laughs> we're just, we're just, that's not our way. And I think most of the people we engage with, in conversation with, enjoy it because our, our purpose is to make it fun. Like we had a great talk with the uh, waiter. It used to be there were always some interesting looking women serving there. I think business is, you know, still pretty slow. Uh, they had a band, the RPMs, and they were good doing the oldies and they were really good and everybody got to sing and it was just fun sharing a lot. We were singing along, we were howling at the end and uh, just had a good time and uh, as did Lisa and her uncle. So, God, that's boring, isn't it? Just me telling you what we did last night. I guess the the part... While I was in that experience, like, I, I stepped out the side door. I stepped out in front of the only, had a toke, went back in. Went to the bar halfway through one of their sets. Stepped out the side door. Had another little toke, came back in. So I'm, I'm buzzed. I'm, I've got a really nice glow going. And I'm feeling connected to the beats to Kerouac to to these people not Jack himself but the kind of movement that they were enjoying the bohemians the beats the not a hippie vibe but a beat vibe like hey you're coming to a cool club and you're digging some of the music this is not jazz or blues and nobody's wailing away on the sax but still it's fun you're experiencing it you're 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 absorbing it, and you're exchanging conversation, thoughts, ideas, jokes, laughter, smiles with other people, and that's a beautiful thing. 
and maybe it was the illusion in my head, you know, that, wow, this is so, this is so now. I, I, okay, here's it, here it is. I felt like I was at the it place. Like, man, this is where it's at. All you people, you know, you're, you're, you're clubbers, you're, you're people looking for what's the next best thing. What's, where's it at? Where's it happening? Where's the scene? And I'm feeling so strongly, so deeply, so passionately that this is the scene. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only scene. And you, too, could be in a completely different place and be having your scene and feeling just as fully and deeply and richly about it as as I am about my scene. But I felt, I felt cool. I felt... I knew what I was doing. It's like when you, you find that place you're supposed to be, like, bam, right here, right now. This is it. I'm where I'm supposed to be, experiencing the now. And I just felt that so strongly last night and, and wanting to share but not knowing how to share. And as I pour out these words and the clip from Arrington Go, it just doesn't capture it. And maybe what I'm... Trying to capture is kind of elusive because it's a, it's a moment, it's a feeling, it's a now. But man, 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 at the time that feels so good. You are just so into it. You're knocking back the beer, pictures of Creamore and Tank House. You got a nice little glow going. You're happy to be with your friends. Everything is good. Everything is flowing. So that's what I do sometimes, and those are the times when I say to myself, "Okay, man, this is this is this is who you are. This is what you like." And then when I went to church today, I felt a disconnect as I looked around at all the people, you know, people in their fifties and up. There are some younger, but you know, white-haired people, retired people. I felt, for the first time. Yeah, kind of, I don't know that I belong here. I don't feel this closeness. It's not, you know, the words I'm doing. And then, then, then they'd put up one of the songs about wanting to be a better person, wanting to be a good friend. And I think, yeah, okay. There's nothing really about this experience of being in church now that's that's pushing me away. It's just within myself. And maybe it's because I'm tired and I haven't had enough sleep or didn't eat enough breakfast. Uh or maybe there's some um, residual guilt from going out, getting drunk, and swearing, and being stupid. Well, stupid is somebody else's value, not mine. I didn't feel it was stupid, but it may sound stupid in retrospect, you know, looking back. So I wasn't so sure. And then the service went on, and uh, Scott gave a, t- a talk about hospitality, but starting off with the pineapple and what it was a symbol of. And and basically the message was to, to keep your mind open, not to be judgmental, but leave room. leave oh, Keep your mind open for new ideas, new thoughts. And I thought, yeah, well, man, I'm, I'm doing that. And maybe I'm asking that of any listeners who want to judge me. Don't judge me. Accept me for just being who I am, warts and all. 
And I think that's what we all want. And some of us just express it in different ways, and some of us are comfortable just being normal, nice people. And I guess maybe there's sort of a a dividing line I tend to make. I don't feel, as I looked, as I sat in that church, I don't feel that I'm one of those normal, nice people. I liked everybody I talked with as an old retired minister, Richard, and it just, it gives me happiness to see his face. He's an old man. He's probably about 90, but he's he's there and he's he's into it. And each of the people I talk with over coffee, I like. But there's still a sense of me being a part of this otherness. To me, my values, my, my thinking that, no, no, I, I don't belong to anything. So it's not really a problem. It's just a thing. Anyway, I guess I've uh, I've probably run on a bit long here on this show. And I, I don't know that even that there was a point in there. Excuse me. I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for understanding, I suppose. And uh, it's a very, very long journey, the one I'm on. And I am still, still, still to this day trying to be more accepting of myself and less judging. And I think that's what it is. I talk about other people judging me, but it's me judging me all the time. And that's why I stress how important it was that last night I just went out and uh, did the things I wanted to do and had fun doing it. So anyway, the parking lot's filling up. Everybody's coming to get in a few rounds of golf and uh, time for me to head home and get something to eat. So, uh, boys and girls, stay tuned, will you? And uh, it's not too late to send anything in writing to uh, the Dixon Jane zine, and that would be Dixon Jane's, D-I-C-S, N-J-A-N-E-S, at gmail.com. And it'll reach me, and if it doesn't get in this upcoming fall issue, it'll get in the winter 2016 edition, volume 20, number... No, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be volume 20, number 2. But this one is volume 20, number 1. It's halfway full. I've got uh, six pages of material and six pages blank. So uh, do your part, please. And thank you. Bye for now. Rows of houses are burned down on me. I can feel the hands touching me. Oh, this is a two position. Oh, they swallow
Sounds so weird. Oh, God. Okay. If any of you are old-time Dixon James listeners, you will understand the significance of the Eglinton Ghost Station. Which? what the fuck is that? I'm not trying to record something. What's going on, buddy? I'll shut that off. Um, which is where I am right now, Eglinton Ghost Station parking lot. Now, I've recorded many a clip from here. A clip, not an entire episode, but just a piece. Stop it! Jesus Christ, what is this? Jesus. What is going on? All right. Sorry. I I mean, I know that, so... Oh, my God, couldn't you censor that out? Couldn't you just eliminate that clip? Uh, Sorry, no. Maybe I got got the volume up too high. Let me just... Now I gotta put on the fucking lights. Alright, we got... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was way past ten. Feedback, feedback. Alright, that's better. Up there. Okay, alright, alright. We're good. We're good. Um, riding the 116 home from Kennedy Station where the subway ends and they're told to get the fuck off, man. I'm not going any further. And uh, there's no 86, so you get on the 186, and you stand the whole fucking way there. And you oh, god damn it, it's starting to hurt. Can't wait to get home and have some snack from the fridge or the freezer. Or the cupboard. I'm so lucky I've got snacks. Um, so anyway, so... What some new readers, listeners, whatever you want to call it, will not grasp is that this time for me to be sitting in my car parked across from the Eglinton Goal station, subway station, not subway station, sorry, Goal train station, is uh, just simply where I'm meant to be right now, and uh, where I'm just going to say, hey, 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 this is me, this, this is my voice, this is what I'm doing, don't bug me. Don't make me feel shitty. Don't embarrass me. 
Give me a break, man. Now, when I was on the train, or the bus, sorry, coming home, the the little passage I just gave you now sounded so much more important, so much more critical, so much more like, hey, man, they're hassling us, and uh, they're going to want to know too much. You know, we we got to push back and refuse to give away all our personal information. There was that feeling, you know, I got to do this. There's got to be a bit of a rebellion here. Anyway, the thing I want to say is, excuse me, I had a great night tonight. It was a really great night. I Brian called me, as you heard earlier, and I said, yeah, let's meet the only, all right, yeah. We met at the only, I, I had five, you know, demi-pints in front of me because I couldn't decide which one I wanted, so I had those. So Brian goes and orders five, you know, little demis. Then another one. Then I said, hey, I got to go to uh, the um, the bar that we're heading to next. The bar I love so much. The Eaton House. I got to go up there. But first, I think I'll just stand in this doorway and have a little talk. And that's what I did. So the guilt part comes in when you think, well, man, are you allowed to tell them you're going to have a dope? And the other voice says, what the fuck, man? Why wouldn't you? Like, who are you? Who is it? Is it the police that are interrogating you now? Or the church? Or who? who's asking you to conform to some behavioral standard? Or is it okay just to say, wow, man. I just want to do what feels good. And that is, have a little talk, have a few beer, get through a very, very enjoyable evening. God, those words sound so shallow as I say them. So, listen, this this isn't working. I thought you and I would be able to talk. I'd be able to deliver a very good uh, sermon on... um, not on birth control, no, no. On um, just getting through life. And I, I'm just sort of feeling that everything but that is happening. That, uh, you know, it just isn't right. And that, I've sort of sheened a little bit of status I might have had left in the past by not knowing what the fuck I'm seeing or doing. Yeah, that's that's the part that's embarrassing. All right, I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to say fuck you. Uh, you see, I, the, the problem is, I don't want to say fuck you to regular church goers. People who are nice, I don't want you to misinterpret. I want you to think, oh, well, guy's a bit of an asshole, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't mean any harm. And that's where I want to be, right? I don't mean any harm. I just may sound stupid from time to time. So let's leave it there. Let's leave it there, and we'll come back to this uh, tomorrow or some other day. Thank you, and good night. We are very lucky to have this stuff happen day in and day out. That building hosts stuff like this all the time. Pay attention to what's happening in your community, which I feel you have been doing. You have been amazing. Thank you for coming to FogFest 7 and supporting people like these food trucks and people like us. Stephen Hartman.